In this episode of Octal FM, we discuss Sefran's journey introducing video games to his partner, what he tried, what went wrong, and the unexpected video game catalyst that actually did the trick. Hello and welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Gelada. And I'm Sefran. And today we're talking about a topic that's kind of been on the cards for quite a while, mm. um, but we just never got around to it. Uh, and also just you wanted to give it the, the time that it, mm. that it needed. Um, and that is introducing someone to video games who doesn't play video games yeah yeah uh, and sort of some of the things that especially as a gamer you don't realize is tricky about that especially yeah. if you've grown up with games there's a lot of stuff which we'll go into um that you take for granted things that you wouldn't even realize until you try doing this and so mm. this is sort of a little bit of a like just a a storytelling episode and also a little bit of like actual practical how-to and yeah. uh, and sort of information if you're thinking about introduced to video games who doesn't play video games yeah because this is something that i've been experiencing now for like probably four or five years i think of of trying to share video games with my partner specifically mm. uh, and this could apply to anybody it doesn't have to be like a romantic partner or anything like that and it's amazing how many mistakes I've made and I've managed to kind of like learn from. So like you say, along with it being a bit of a story about like that challenge for me, but it's also maybe some things that like pitfalls to look out for and maybe like best practices to suggest and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to take a while to do it as well, to kind of get as much information as I could and like areas of things that I could try and, and report back on successfully. So I guess this all started for you when Laura, in the sense that like she doesn't, did you, didn't play video games at all really no so like when i first met her we, we hit off really well but it certainly wasn't through gaming like it right. wasn't like we met one another we playing video games together and i just sort of assumed that everyone knew at least a bit about video games like don't get me wrong like i'm not saying that everyone's like a hardcore video game player mm. but i think i remember the first kind of couple of times we kind of hung out together like i was like oh do you want to like play some games and i was like I think I was like playing like Infamous 2 at the time mm -hmm. and like, do you want to give it a go? And I was like, cause it's like, it's, it's not that hard of a game. Right. And I, I, I didn't realize that she didn't know how, like mm. it was almost like sitting down someone in front of a car and saying, drive the car. Right. Like, well, what do I do? You know? And I was so, because video gaming for me, and I'm sure this is the same for you is pretty much my number one passion, right? Mm. It's the thing that I care most about in my life in terms of my hobbies and in terms of some things I love to do. And because I know how much joy it can bring, both in terms of enjoyment, but also in terms of like engagement as an entertainment media, like it has just as much opportunity to say challenge you in really cool, fun, interesting ways as it does to sort of like move you emotionally and tell mm. an amazing story. Right. And, but also just be a piece of artwork. I mean, how many games have you played that like you've gone, wow, that is like, you know, a proper piece of art? Yeah. Yeah. There's a huge amount of depth to the medium. Right. For sure. Like it's a. Yeah, definitely. So I think I got carried away, like trying to <laughs> get someone to experience everything I've experienced in the past, like 
what, 25 years at least now mm. in the space of like two weeks. <laughs> I think, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Like, and we'll get into this in more detail, but you know, the things that you take for granted when you've grown up playing video games, especially there's like, I think that there's a few things there and I know we're going to talk about this, but sort of partly it's like about your age when you start playing in the sense that like you are, it's easier to learn something when you're younger. So the skills of being able to like use a controller and like that's kind of like fine motor control, which I know we're mm. going to get into is, is one side of things, which is easier to do when you're younger. Um, there's also not a huge amount of parallels. I don't think like you just gave the example of like driving a car. If you think about the the skill required to use a controller and the sort of hand eye that hand eye coordination, mm. I'm trying to think like like there's there's other kind of hobbies I guess that have some similarities with fine motor controls, but there's not very many. Right? Not really that aren't basically just direct comparisons. Like I was thinking maybe like RC cars and boats right. and planes and stuff like that, but they're effectively just controllers too. Yeah. You know? So and then I think the other thing is the huge amount of like codified and embedded knowledge and understanding that mm. as video gamers we all have for older games it's everything from like things of different colors you can interact with or yeah, like red know, is bad green is good right to always go the wrong way at the start of a level to find the secrets yeah. and don't shoot the red barrel <laughs> yeah like yeah exactly like you know and this is what those hearts mean in the in the corner yeah, yeah, yeah. and like there's a timer on mario and like you know look for a timer in a game and like all of that kind of stuff like you just learn over time through all of your shared you know, all of your experiences playing all kinds of different video games and they all sometimes maybe even unknowingly build upon each other where it's formed organically. Just the same, I guess, as I don't know. I'm try Again, I'm trying to think about parallels like I'm thinking about film and TV. I guess it's less of a thing, but like like whether it's TV referencing other shows or, yeah. or shows following certain patterns. Um, I see this perhaps actually more in something like anime where mm. um, there are like known uh, tropes or known patterns just of episodes. Accepted. Like it's like, oh yeah, like there's always the episode where there's always like the filler episode and that's why yeah. it seems weird. Or like There's always the beach episode. Yeah, yeah. exactly. There's always like the it, festival episode. And it's like, and that's confusing. But then it, once you, when you've experienced it multiple times, it's like, you know what it, what it's about yeah. and why it's there. And you're not being like, what is, what is going mm. on? Like, I don't understand this show. I've, I, I thought I understood it and now I don't. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. kind of a similar sort of thing. And it's so important to try and get this right for me because I want to share all these experiences mm. with people, uh, you know, my friends, but in particular my partner, you know, there's mm. someone that I live with and I spend like most of my time with. And one of the things that I think was difficult for me to get on board with initially was that although I want to share this desire and they want to experience it too, they're not necessarily looking to become like quote unquote pro gamers right <laughs> right they just want to appreciate my hobby like i appreciate my hobby mm. but not necessarily all the time you know like you can share in something without it becoming like a shared hobby if that right. makes sense and that's again something that i i, I think i fail to kind of get behind it's like because so long it's like well yeah of course i play games all the time right but i think that some people or many people in fact don't need that and they don't like necessarily want that to be the case, but that doesn't mean they don't want to encourage you and show interest in what you find interesting. Right. So 
how did you start? Like when you, you made this decision, right? You were like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to work this out. We're going to, we're going to find a way um, where you can get to the point where like, you know, Laura can pick up a controller and play a game and understand it and like, and obviously get enjoyment out of it. Right. That's the, the, that's the ultimate goal is that you want her to have a, have a hobby that is not as intertwined in her life as it is with you, but is still something that she like a, a, something that is opened up to her to enjoy mm. um, just the same as any kind of hobby or like introducing yeah. someone to something because you know that they're going to enjoy it. And it's like, okay, yeah. well, you, well, exactly, you should have Because you know how much amazing kind of enjoyment you can get from this yeah. medium and you want other people to enjoy it too. Not necessarily at the same time as you. Yeah. Like, And this is the first instance that I tried because the game that I kind of started with certainly isn't multiplayer. You know, I, I first started off recommending to play Mass Effect, the first right. game. Uh, I think we were playing on PS3 because I had it on PS3 rather than Xbox 360. And that's because at the time I was like really hyped for playing Andromeda. Like Andromeda, like I think it either just come out, it was just coming out. I can't remember, but it was like pretty, pretty local to that time. Because to me, Mass Effect is such a brilliant game in that the, the combat's quite fun and the game sort of like is a pretty enjoyable RPG action mm. game. And it has an incredible story and it has like some really good agency within the, the kind of the conversations. Like you can kind of feel like you're in control of mm. Shepard and create your own Shepard. And, and it's one of those games that really sticks with me for a long time. Like right. I, I always think about Mass Effect. So I thought this is a great game to do that with, right? But this was the game that basically straight away i realized one of the biggest hurdles right. and i i made several assumptions yeah. here so what went wrong what went wrong with mass effect well the first one was the, was you've already mentioned it was the controller right okay? like <laughs> when you look at a controller as a gamer you just see the implement to which you play the game you don't even think about it, it just you yeah. pick it up and your hand naturally melds to it job done and even if it's picking a controller of a console that you've not played before like you know like the first time i picked up like a, i don't know like a ps4 controller or something even though they're all very very similar you know there's just so subtle differences your hands don't fit in quite the same way do they you know every time but for the most part you kind of feel a feel for game controller design hasn't really changed since the super nintendo all that much with the exception of things like the wii and the n64's kind of strange you know that's just nintendo being kooky um but like she didn't quite grasp the idea of like how to control it what buttons to press at what point and I think the key one was also not being able to control multiple buttons at the same time. Right. Like, so with Mass Effect, you know, the primary problem was moving and aiming and shooting all at the same right. time. I think I always, I was, even now I still feel like dual analogs is such a crazy, like crazy design in the sense that like, it's so unintuitive that you've got kind of like one and i don't know what would be better but like you've got one analog stick for moving around and one analog stick for controlling the camera sometimes Mm. that's inverted sometimes it isn't depending on your your settings yeah you know and it's like the the interplay of oh if you like move left with the analog stick with the left analog stick first of all like which analog stick does which right yeah like movement with the left, camera with the right. It's just intuitive to us, but why is it intuitive to someone that's never used a controller before? But, you know, it's almost like, in my mind, I, I feel like that combination of movement and camera and being able to, in your mind, apply the logic to have a desired effect. So like strafing left and turning the camera right is yeah. kind of like circling, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like you're going you're gonna to circle a point. Um, or like, you know, if you want to go around a corner, right, you know, to sort of like go outward slightly and turn the camera, 
you know, rotate the camera so that you sort of swing around the corner. Yeah. Um, like just like naturally being able to do that is is a skill and like your our brains like naturally do it but yeah that is not a, a thing you inherently understand as a human being i mean as you say like that's very fine motor control yeah like because it isn't even just the ability to control two sticks and then the buttons independently of all one another but it's also like they're sensitive to how much you push them too yeah, of course. They, they're not most of them are now not even even the digital buttons aren't really digital buttons anymore like the harder you press certain buttons the the more effect you get like if you hold down like the x button for jump you'll jump higher than if you just tapped it for example right yeah yeah yeah. and the you trigger know, buttons as well like, it, well exactly you know they're proper analog you know yeah so it's so you have to be so fine with the way you control it and it, again just like when you're driving a car like you you find that biting point in the clutch and it becomes natural to you straight away you don't even think about it but when you're learning like that doesn't make a lot of sense and it's like mm. well surely i just do the thing it's like no you kind of have to feel it yeah yeah you yeah. have to make it work with your your body and so um, that was the first fail assumption was that I knew I thought that she could just simply pick up a controller and use it as intended. Whether or not you could play the game well is not really a problem because you learn the game, right? Every, you know, mm. every game is different. But the controller is the the similar thing between everything. And I thought, oh, that'll be fine. But no. And then that went on to another fail assumption, which kind of ties in with what we've just been talking about is, is 3D, right. right? Again, I hadn't really considered how much of a nightmare 3D is when you're trying to work out both controls, but then also try to navigate yourself within a 3D environment. Mm. Like, how do you know where to go? Where, where, what can I walk over and what can't I walk over? How do I jump? How do I... Everything, like you just said, with the controls is then made worse because you're trying to navigate this pretty open area of space even if it's like actually quite closed off it doesn't appear closed off yeah absolutely i actually saw this with tony as well i remember very vividly because i'd never seen it happen before but tony had just got a pc and Mm -hmm. so she was just starting to play pc games because before that she'd only ever played console games Uh, and she also didn't really play any first person games right she'd only played Third-person stuff on consoles like the SNES, N64, GameCube, Wii, whatever. And I got her to play Oblivion mm-hmm. on PC. So first time, like, first time mouse and keyboard, right? Yeah, that, that's another whole kettle of fish. Like, like beyond, you know, beyond playing games on emulators, maybe on a PC, on a laptop mm-hmm. or something like that. But, but pretty much, like, first kind of, like, first-person PC, like, mouse and keyboard. Yeah. And... Partly there was a there was a thing about the game of like, okay, what do I do? Like, where do I go? Yeah. Um, because that's kind of weird. That's like an Elder Scrolls thing is like it's yeah, open like, worlds. And off you go. It's quite, especially back in those days of, of Days of Oblivion, weren't really yeah. that many games like that. So it's quite easy to to miss that whole kind of subgenre of, of like 3D open world games. Mm-hmm. And I re- she, she was like, what do, I, what do I do? Like, where do I go? And I was like, well, first of all, stop looking at your feet. because she was just walking along like staring at the grounds and it's like you're not going to work out where you're going if you can't if you're just looking at the floor all the time but then when you proceeded to start looking around you'd stop moving in the direction you were supposed to be going because you can't quite do both at the same time yeah so that was sort of a combination of things and that was like a little snippet into that like unfamiliarity of in this case a specific kind of subgenre of games but still like the combination of like it was pc it was an unfamiliar controller Mm. um and it was an unfamiliar genre um sort of all put together meant that i saw a similar kind of thing and like she was very frustrated like with oblivion to start with like it's like i don't i'm not really enjoying this because it's i can't do it like it's too it's weird and that sort of is 
our fault, right? Because we're the ones introducing this medium. Mm. We should be the ones who are kind of like, you know, making sure that the experience is the most engaging and enjoyable, but also accessible. Like right. you wouldn't put, going using the car analogy, you wouldn't put someone in like, you know, a supercar of their first experience where they've got like, you know, right. a six speed flappy paddle gearbox or something, you yeah, know, with yeah. double clutch and stuff like that. You start them off with like a little simple Persia 108 or something yeah, yeah, yeah. and teach them the basics first. But there's also expecting them to be able to move in a 3D space, look in a 3D space, whilst also managing like, you know, buttons. And it, there's a lot to think about at all the same time that we don't think about most of the time because it's just second nature to to, to move and, mm, and walk mm. through a world. The other thing that I, the, kind of the primary other failed assumption that I had was the conventions of video gaming. Right. right? So... For example, in Mass Effect, like the menus, like they're not br- brilliant menus in fairness, but they're, they're pretty normal standard menus, right? Mm. And to me, that just makes sense. Like you have a menu system, you have an inventory system, you have a, syst- a, a menu for stats and you have pop-ups and you have context-sensitive button presses and, you know, and other sort of similar gaming conventions like cover for example like right. i remember one thing she she said like she'd managed to get behind like a, a chest high wall as you know as it's affectionately known as and she was like well why am i not being hit my head sticking out and i always oh, because you're behind cover she's like yeah, but i'm not behind cover and, and and like i'm like well yeah i know but you are said, but that doesn't make any sense does it like when you don't have those years and years of like training your brain to not think about those things and you're right. seeing things from this fresh perspective it's like no it doesn't make any sense that you're not being killed because your head's popping over the top of this cover you know yeah there's so many as well isn't there there's so many conventions and also you can pick one game and then you that's there's like a bunch of conventions in that one but then another game will have a completely different set of conventions that won't be remotely the same right no. Uh, and trying to train them all there and then in the heat of the moment whilst also trying to deal with the previous things we mentioned like controller anxiety 3d maneuvering etc like it's just it's just you're setting people up to fail and immediately get frustrated and thus disliking the game no matter how good the game is doesn't matter how amazing the story is because they're not enjoying themselves playing it which at the end of the day is the primary thing so how did you try and combat this like okay mass effect no no goods maybe let's uh let's let's move on what were the how did you then try and fix that well, I tried and failed to fix mm. it again. This is all a huge learning experience for me as well. I, I simply overcorrected, okay? So I thought, well, I'll just simplify all those elements that went wrong, okay? Yeah. So I will set her up training, right? First of all, that's the first mistake I made. Games shouldn't be a tra- thing you have to train <laughs> for. They're supposed to be fun. They're supposed to be something you engage with. But to me, I was like, well, I'll just train her on like games that won't te- you know, test them that much and you can work on. But that doesn't help because then it feels like work. So immediately, first failure. The the primary thing that I tried to do was remove all those barriers. So things like the controller. I, I got her to play with all the consoles. So things like an NES and a Super Nintendo because there's only like two buttons on the, on the NES, right? And it's like, well, that's not as confusing. And equally so, like it removes the 3D of aspects of things. Like you're not having to worry about a 3D space. You're just moving left to right mm. and maybe jumping up and down. But that's kind of it for the most part. And also as well, like older games don't have as many gameplay conventions required to know. You just simply start moving. And if you die a couple of times, it's fine. But you work out like the obvious example is like the original Super Mario Bros. Where like, you know, you've got a button for moving and a button for jumping and that's it. And also those games were designed in a way to be introducing people, right? In the sense that that very first level in Mario, like you like move along and it like gives you 
the way that it's designed, like how you have like a Goomba and you're expected to kind of die on the first one. Exactly. And so you jump, but then they've placed blocks there to reveal to you that those blocks will do something when you jump and hit them underneath and all of that kind of stuff. Like it's it's designed to almost teach you about yeah. every single mechanic because it's such an Because this was in game. 1984 exactly. or, six or whatever yeah, it was, yeah. right? When gaming wasn't, there was no established concepts in gaming mm. really at this point, like beyond what the arcades had done. And even then that was just the wild west of like everyone doing different things. Yeah, yeah. The problem with all this, however, <laughs> in theory, right, in, in a theoried environment, that's a really good idea to, to do all this. But the thing is, is that I was making her do something she didn't particularly want to do because she wanted to play the game she'd seen me play, like Mass Effect, for example, like Metal Gear, like Call of Duty or something, you know, things like that. Not this 20, you know, 30-year-old game mm. that looks like a pixelated garbagey mess yeah, yeah. to her, you know, whilst also trying to train to play the better games. It's like, well, no, this isn't fun. Mm. So I think I just approached everything in the wrong way. And to me, this is something that I, this is when I started to be able to kind of understand why I'd failed, although I still made more failures nonetheless, is that the, the Different things mattered to us, okay? So the things that mattered to me didn't necessarily matter to her, okay? So I, the things I appreciate in a game is a great story, right? I've said this a few times why I recommend Mass Effect, right? But the thing is, is that great stories and characters take time to develop. And when you're learning to play video games or you're just trying to share something with someone who does care about it, you don't have 40 plus hours to share it there mm. and then, do you? To yeah. to immediately get someone involved with, with what you love right, and why you right. love it. I mean, look at Oblivion, right? Oblivion isn't immediately engrossing. No, it's engrossing absolutely. because over time your character's grown and created this sort of like skill set that you're really good at doing particularly. Right. And, you know, you've met NPCs and you finish quest lines and you feel like you're this integral part of this world, but the first five hours you're beating mug crabs up. Yeah. That's not that's not a great engaging story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like Tony was like, you know, what do I do? And I'm like, well, just walk in one direction and just see what happens. And then it's like, what's this? And it's like a cave. You can go in this cave, but that's not really like you say, it's not like uh, there's there's a long time yet before you get to you know you're kind of like you're making an excuse for it right you're like just just wait just keep doing yeah. stuff and and, and i'm the sense. first person to be angry at people who like say oh just watch this tv series it gets good in three seasons right I'm like, yeah, yeah. i don't have three seasons worth of time to dedicate to this show that i otherwise not enjoying like it has to be fun and engaging basically straight away to hook you if you've not got the pre-existing understanding right. of why this medium is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another thing that, and this is, I think, the one that I definitely made the biggest mistake on, is that I can appreciate a game no matter its generation mm. because I understand the context of when that game came out. Right. Okay. So the best example I have for me is that for me, Final Fantasy six to six, right, or Final Fantasy three in the West, whatever. It looks incredible, right? I think it looks like a fantastic looking game. But that me is still the 14-year-old that first saw it in 2002 on the PS1 because we didn't get Final Fantasy III here in Europe mm. on the Super Nintendo. Um, you know, but for her, it's just this awful, like, weird pixel mess you right. know, that doesn't look like a game to her at all. It looks like, well, nothing really. Just It looked crap, yeah. you know? Uh, and again, I, this was the one that I got wrong the most because... I was trying to get her to play sort of older games and like, you know, trying to put, she doesn't want that. She wants the slick, like, you know, Skyrim and Last of Us and Uncharted, you know, looking things like things that look incredible and they do look incredible. Not this. Mm. 
Uh, and then the other problem as well was that, like, I maybe thought, like, oh, I'll stick her on sort of, like, you know, slower-paced games that have, like, RPG systems that doesn't require, like, immediate response to controllers. So she can think about what to press at what times. But then the problem with that is that they're kind of boring, honestly, if you aren't already mm. invested in why you're doing it, yeah. right? So one of the games that I tried, and because all of these things sort of, then became apparent with the next game I tried, which again made sense at the time, but in hindsight, yeah, it was a bad choice. Was I, I suggested she play Final Fantasy Nine, mm. right? I mean, because you've played Nine, yeah, I think, yeah, haven't yeah. you? Yeah, we we talked about it on the show, yeah. right? Because all those things I just said, right? Nine is really good at is it, it for a PS One game? It looks beautiful, doesn't it? Mm. It's incredible for a PS One game. Yeah. It has a really streamlined battle system, so it's not overly complicated no. compared to, say, something like Final Fantasy VII and VIII. It's Agreed. a much simpler battle system, very, very simple, easy yeah. to, get, to get to grips with. It has some really lovely characters, you know, really great relationships between yeah. the characters, and you really get invested in what's going on for them. It has a fairly traditional story. There's not all, like, this weird sort of, like, you know, gamified it's, culture in the background that you have to understand. Yeah, it's not super complicated, right? You know, it's like bad guy wants to take over the world good guys need to try and stop them yeah. whilst also dealing with like their own baggage you know and it, it's also a really great introduction to a, a very long-lasting series mm. that is important within the gaming world of, of final fantasy so rather than saying yes yeah, you should start at final fantasy one well no of course you shouldn't yeah, because final yeah. fantasy one is garbage by today's comparisons but so i thought again great but the problem is is just like i've already said she saw this as weird old brocky graphics it was a boring game where she just pressed a button to do a thing the style of the characters was sort of like a bit anime in a way mm -hmm. like they also had that sort of very japanese style to it which isn't relatable to her yeah and then as well the story doesn't really kick off for the first five or ten hours yeah, so true i made all the mistakes yeah interesting interesting i i particularly find the characters thing interesting because i think you can feel that even now if you play it like there's an element of your age when you played final fantasy 9 right like you know like um that phenomenon where um all the music from when you're a teenager sounds the best like yeah. <laughs> no matter what age you are it's like when you were a teenager and it's because of like what's happening to you as an individual as you're like going through puberty mm. like your memories latch like uh, like they associate right so like changes in hormones is, is associated with the music you listen to uh and so and same with video games that you play um so i think that there's there's definitely a, an element of that and so f that's why for me like although i did really enjoy final fantasy 9 um i think i probably enjoyed it in a different way to how you enjoy it now yes so, so yeah, yeah, both yeah. of us might recommend final fantasy 9 in this scenario for different reasons but in both cases it still doesn't it still doesn't make no, sense it wasn't the right choice unfortunately so what um what did like like i i know i i know from my from my background knowledge that there is a happy ending to this <laughs> there is a success there is, story thankfully. <laughs> yeah there is and at the end of the day all of these mistakes that i made were not solved by me um, <laughs> randomly the solution actually came that. from a friend of hers who wasn't even really that much of a gamer and she just played the game because it was kind of fun to play with her partner so maybe her partner got it right who knows yeah but <laughs> wait the game hang on we really... should have had we should have had them on yeah we should have got them on why yeah. are we talking about this i completely made a mistake here didn't i but the game that hit right the game that actually got and made sense to it to play as a game rather than just as like something to experience or something to watch me play was the Elder Scrolls Online, weirdly enough. That's so interesting, isn't it? it? And it's kind of weird, but when I think about it, it kind of makes sense, mm. right? Because 
the game was introduced naturally, so it wasn't like a, you're going to play this to learn this yeah, game, yeah. right? She wanted to play it because her friend played it, and she wanted to learn to play it so she could play with her friend. And obviously she wants to play with me as well, but it wasn't like, you need to play this so I can play with you. It was like, oh, you're playing this game, that's really cool looking, I want to play that, mm. right? It was a modern game, so it means that it had a low barrier to entry because it was just on the Xbox, so she could just simply put it on the Xbox we already owned, job done. It was developed with a modern sensibility, so like a lot of the more arbitrary aspects of my older games, like Final Fantasy IX, for example, aren't there because the developers assume relatively low competency, especially for mm. an MMO. Yeah, yeah. Because MMOs usually attract sort of less kind of hardcore quote unquote gamers right especially early on right because the whole point of an mmo is to kind of like lock you in so that you keep exactly. paying exactly so hence why it worked well for her because it was we want to keep you on board so you pay more money right, right? that's how like wow got so many of its uh, players you know who weren't traditional gamers otherwise yeah it's interesting isn't it i guess when you think about it like mmos traditionally good MMOs and successful MMOs have a very, very gentle difficulty curve, right? Because mm, they mm-hmm. are designed to extend, to like stretch out that difficulty as absolutely long as possible, you know, to the point where if you're experienced as a gamer, a lot of early MMOs are, are like boring. mindless, right? Yeah. Because it's so gentle because they want to stretch it out as much as possible. And, and the other big aspect of this game in particular was that it, to her it looked like a game right right it was the kind of game she was expecting to play from the beginning not yeah. like mario and farm fantasy 9 or anything like that yeah it looked like a traditional game because it has that sort of like brown aesthetic to it which yeah. is unfortunately still considered to be like a game nowadays yeah, yeah um which i don't like but i get that that's the common consensus of what games look like especially if they're like high fidelity looking games mm. uh you know it is very brown isn't it elder scrolls online it's very brown game <laughs> Um, you know, but the thing is, is that it, it's, it didn't have to have like, oh yeah, but it's great because of this, you know, it just looked pretty good. Like it's a pretty nice looking game, all things considered, yeah. like it's relatively high def and everything looks kind of nice and the flashy like effects and stuff, yeah. you know. And another thing that grasped her, and I think would grasp anybody, is that the way in which MMOs have the Skinner Box effect on things, in that it's always giving you little rewards here and there to make you carry on playing, right. carry on learning the next mechanic so you can get the next reward and so on and so forth. Yeah, we've talked about that, like, the, like, loop, right? Like, the, the like, addiction loop in, in video games, um, particularly mobile games. But mm. a lot of that really does come, from, if you're thinking about, quote unquote proper games uh, rather than mobile <laughs> games then like mmos are the closest to that kind of like a game designed around a, a reward loop right mm. more so than a lot of other games because again that kind of ties in with the whole idea of keeping people yeah. on board right, yeah, for a yeah, long yeah. period of time and the other thing as well is that the the game mechanics are relatively simple until right. you get to proper end game stuff, right? And even then, like, you can still go for relatively simple mechanics because even though, like, it's real time, you can run around and everything, it's still basically turn-based yeah. in the sense that, like, everything, even basic attacks have, like, small cooldowns. They yeah, have, like, a second yeah. cooldown. So it's kind of turn-based, but it just doesn't appear turn-based. You know, it, it kind of hides the turn-based element of things. So behind that kind of this, like, fudges the the technical complexity, right? Of like exactly. of the combat because it's yes. like, well, you can only really do anything once a second, right? Exactly. So that takes away that stress of I have to hold down the left trigger to aim. I have to hold down the right trigger to fire. I have to hold down forward to move forward. I also yeah. have to like, you know, look around with the other side. All these things at once. You know, you have to do any of that. You just press the X button to perform this action that you know does this thing at this time. Yeah. You know? And that's what it became for. It was like, well, I know I'm going to get attacked, so I should press this skill to, like, 
buff my defenses. Mm. I can't remember like exactly what the what it was, but you know, and and even then, like you didn't have to pull off like crazy combo, yeah, you know, mechanically to make things work. Right. You if you press like X and then triangle and then square after a short period of time, like you put together this cool combo that would always win the fight, right? Yeah, yeah. And that again, it feels really rewarding, but it isn't too mechanically complex. No, yeah, makes sense. And the last thing that I, and this really surprised me, especially with Elder Scrolls, was that the community of players was surprisingly helpful and, mm. and welcoming. Like, yeah. she ended up being part of a guild. You're completely independent of me, mind you. I barely did anything with that, with, in regards to helping with this mm. at all. You know, she naturally developed into a guild and they helped her and they sort of like, you know, explained like, oh, if you're playing this kind of character, maybe you should get like this kind of gear and this is where you get it. And that just opened up that whole like, rabbit hole of like doing the research and getting involved in it and really feeling like you're learning something and investing time in mm. it right um the only downside to all of this was that she did learn the harsh lessons of mmos in the <laughs> she got too invested yeah. i think after times like she had literal notebooks of like skill trees and bills that she was frantically writing down because she was afraid to make mistakes because other people were like kind of depending on her in certain situations mm. which is not a bad thing in the sense that it has a good sense of community but at the same time like it's not the game experience i kind of think uh, is it's healthy it starts to turn into like job or like a job exactly. or you know something that is a source of stress right which is yeah th- th- that's a classic you know some sometimes that works with mmos and sometimes it doesn't right that like you say like that's something that you don't get from you know mario cards right there's, exactly. there's no like yeah. stress yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, possible stress source but that was sort of the the only downside to really playing this game. And she stopped playing it now, but I think that the effects of it have still been felt now because she she sort of understands games a little bit better. She's a little bit more confident on the controllers, even though when she switches between different consoles and stuff like that. So I must say, like that game, I, I, I have to I have to praise it. Like it did a good job in getting her involved in basically independent of me. Mm. <laughs> so our recommendation is uh Get someone addicted to an MMO. (laughs) Basically, you know, and if you can do it on a controller rather than a mouse and keyboard, because again, that's just more having to look at a keyboard worth of buttons is much more confusing than just looking at a controller with like a few face buttons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. console based MMOs eh? as a way of introducing someone to video games. I was surprised at how effective it was, but it was very effective. Yeah, 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 yeah. Makes sense. Huh, interesting. So, what else has she been playing then? Like, you know, that's kind of like sounds like this sort of laid some of the groundwork and the foundation for sort of you know games where you're controlling a character who is yeah. developing and you know you have sort of stuff to yeah. do so this like you say this broke the ice so this is now where she could start actually playing games and we occasionally play the odd thing together or she'll try something and sometimes she doesn't get on with it sometimes she does but a lot of those initial problems have now sort of been solved for right. the most part they're still being refined but they've been mostly broken past yeah and the game that really broke out as the kind of more traditional game that like we could share but wasn't even multiplayer was breath of the wild Mm. because i got it on switch when i got my switch and just by me proceeding to like play it while she was around either in handheld mode or while she's maybe like reading a book in the living room when i was playing on the tv or something she just sort of by osmosis got interested in it and started wanting to play it on her own because she was like that looks pretty cool it's like yeah it's awesome and this is where I proceed to sort of gush over how amazing Breath of the Wild is in so many bloody ways. But I'm not going to do that in this episode. <laughs> Go back to however many episodes I've done that before. Yep. See a lot of previous Oslo <laughs> FM episodes. <laughs> yeah. And and I think it, it did work well. And I, I'm not going to praise it for everything. But the things that it works really well for new gamers is that it's it's so open, right? She can do whatever she wanted, whenever she wanted, however she wanted. 
the game is surprisingly easy um, in certain ways. Like, it doesn't require you to do these really complex challenges right. to be able to kind of carry on. Like, if you want to just ignore fights, you can sneak past. You don't have to fight. Mm-hmm. Like, you can, and you can still enjoy the game and the beauty of the game because the game is beautiful, you know? Yeah. And you feel accomplished when you do that as much as you would have been if you'd have ran in there with a stick and beaten up those first Pocoplins or something, mm. you know? And another thing the game was quite clever at doing for its open world is the fact that it it is an open world. It, other than the, the initial locking in on the Great Plateau for the, the training as- aspect of the game, effectively, the game truly is open world. Right, like, yeah. There's no arbitrary barrier that only opens up when you, like finish the first boss or something mm. obviously there are places you can't really go because of like weather conditions but i was thinking about this like if you even just leave the foot the, the great plateau right and you immediately head to like hebra mountains which is like the coldest areas in the map right you can still go in there as long as you eat like some some spicy peppers yeah which you get like straight away because you, there's a cold area mm. on the great plateau to train on and if you have like a torch equipped and you can now you know explore some of the harshest environments within the game without doing almost anything so it teaches you that you can go and do whatever you want, however you want, really, you know? Yeah. So the game allowed her to play at her pace rather than the pace of gamers would play at. And I hate that term now, actually. That sounds like really like entitled and like pretentious, <laughs> um, you know, but she could do it how she wanted to do it, you know? And as well, the game is is easy in the sense that it tracks how you're doing with hidden values behind the scenes, mm. you know? It knows how many enemies you've killed or how many, en- how many times you've died and if you've if you've ever noticed like the time when like you've always like ended up on one heart well that's intentional like you should have taken more damage than you really did but it's like left you with just one heart to make it feel impactful all those sort of things in the background she hasn't got a clue about and as a result of it it doesn't patronize her Mm. but yet she feels powerful because she's overcome this challenge by the skin of her teeth yeah you know and next time she'll do a bit better and a bit better and a bit better yeah yeah interesting like like game mechanics themselves like games tailoring themselves to help you learn like is kind of i guess something that you don't experience you experience on a less of a level if you're experienced playing video mm. games well because the other thing as well is that the the game doesn't try and overcomplicate any one aspect of the game it, trying to keep a core enjoyment at its pace right because the combat itself is pretty simple right like you press there's like three types of weapons there's the swords there's the two-handed weapons and there's the spears right mm. and and there's not much in the way of like dark souls mechanics combat right you can just simply press the buttons and it does the thing yeah but it still feels very cool when you're doing it every time so it i don't know it just it's so clever in the way in which it makes you feel powerful without really being that challenging Mm. at the same time but not i don't know it's clever and as well the last thing as well about the game other than the fact that it looks incredible in almost every single way you know is that it's a great introduction to another long-running series just like i tried with final fantasy like Zelda is such a well-established world and she's aware of it. Like she was already aware of like the legend of Zelda in some way or fashion. Cause it's just such a huge thing that even just by like the occasional seeing it online or like having someone mention it or something in conversation, she's aware. Like, oh, I know that thing. Mm-hmm. And it makes you feel engaged with the community that otherwise you feel maybe a little bit disconnected from at this point still. So, okay. So we've gone Elder Scrolls, Breath of the Wilds, was there was there anything else as well that you've kind of learned? So some of the other things that I, I, I we've kind of learned over time is that co-op games are a double-edged sword, mm. okay? Because they seem like the perfect s- s- solution to this problem, right? It's like, well, if I play with her at the same time, then I can sort of like teach her and help her and stuff like that. But the problem is, is that co-op games that are challenging 
require you to overcome certain problems means that I end up trying to do everything because I don't want us to fail because to me failure is bad right but that doesn't then enable her to learn and then just makes her feel like a bit crap because she's just holding me back and I get frustrated because we're not winning you know yeah so the game it encapsulated that for me perfectly was Overcooked oh yeah like it's a great co-op game but you kind of have to have both people be pretty good at the game yeah. to really feel like you're enjoying either it. both good or both bad right <laughs> Ex- yeah exactly but having one good one bad it didn't work well for yeah us. like we sort of enjoyed it a little bit at first and you could possibly get there but like yeah the, the skill gap, gap difference makes it less enjoyable yeah and the uh, some other problems with like co-op games with stories often take too long to engage like i've mentioned beforehand like you want to play it together so that like when I'm free, she's not and vice versa. So as a result of it, you take forever to actually play the bloody game mm. and he never kind of yeah, draws yeah. you in. A game that really made that apparent was, was it Brothers, A Tale of Two Brothers or oh, something yeah, like that? Oh yeah, A Tale of Two Sons, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Like again, great fun game, good story, but you've got to play it together for a, a fairly chunky yeah. period of time. And as a result of it, you don't you don't stick with it long enough. The ones that seem to work the best, however, the ones that were sort of the sweet spot, is games that don't have immediate pressure. Right. Right? Because that seems to be the killer, right? Is that games that require you to do something now or fail and have to restart are super frustrating. Yeah. So having something that allows you to take your time, think about things, but still have to work together to solve a problem. So the ones that really worked for me were Death Squared, mm-hmm. uh, Piku Niku, uh, Consider This, and the big one, honestly, was Minecraft. Mm. Like, co-op Minecraft is is really good in the sense that if you turn it onto peaceful mode, you can take your time, you can work together to build things, which is just fun. Yeah. But it also teaches a more 3D control. Because yeah. Because it's a 3D game. So anything that doesn't have that immediate sense of, like, danger and impending failure was quite important, too, to allow just this fun but relatively safe environment to, to learn mm-hmm. how to play these games, mm-hmm. you know? And... I think the, the one of the lessons that I've walked away with from everything is that sharing my experiences doesn't necessarily mean I have sh- we have to play it together or right. have her play it. I found she's of, often just as interested in the games that I play and, and enjoy them vicariously through me as if she was playing them herself. Like the one that was the most obvious for that was Death Stranding because... Right. I obviously I, I talked to her about a lot about it and how like I was feeling about it and how much I was looking forward to it, all that kind of stuff. And she tried playing it, but she really struggled with the controls of it because they're a bit complicated, honestly. Like you have to hold certain buttons and press certain buttons mm. and hold certain buttons at the same time as pressing other buttons. It's, yeah, there's a lot to learn there. It's not the most intuitive for newcomers, but she loved watching me play it. She loved seeing the beautiful visuals and the music and and seeing the cool characters and how photorealistic it was, you know. So that is just as much me sharing the experience of my passion uh, of gaming as her playing the game. And I think that I have to accept that sometimes maybe it isn't about necessarily playing. It's just about sharing the enjoyment of the game. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, like, I think overall that's kind of it. I I, I think that I've sort of gone on a journey here Mm. (laughs) uh, of learning everything and and how to get someone into gaming. And I made a lot of mistakes along the way. Um, I think something that I take away from this, which is the thing that's most interesting to me, is that I would have, I would do the same as you, which is like, okay, well, what did I like learn on? Mm. How did I get introduced to video games? Okay, maybe let's go with that. And you forget that, you assume, I guess, that modern games don't 
have a way of introducing people who don't play video games to、mm. them. But of course, that's not true, right? It's just a different introduction point. Yeah, and you know there are still new gamers all the time, right? Like there's there's always people growing up and starting to play video games as、yeah. usually kids, right? So. If anything, it's it's flawed to think that it has to be restricted to the same timeline of video games as, yeah. as us. Yeah. And so instead, you know, you've talked about Minecraft, right? Which is, I know, we only touched on it at the very end there, but that seems like a really strong point to me. In that, Minecraft is a big、um, introducer of video games to lots of people、mm. and lots of lots of young people, and th- you know, things like Fortnite as well, and 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 that kind of thing. And then obviously MMOs. I find that really interesting because it makes、yeah. huge, a huge amount of sense now to me that it's like, of course, an MMO is a great introduction because it's designed to like guide you through because that's the point of an MMO. That's their business model. Yeah, that's their business model. Is to keep、model. you there. But I wouldn't have picked an MMO, and I think I wouldn't have picked an MMO because. Of the negative connotations as a gamer yes, of MMOs, yeah, yeah, like it's、yeah. like oh, they're like they're, they're designed to get you addicted, and, the, and yeah, you yeah. know all of that kind of stuff. And it's like yeah, but you do forget that like MMOs are a lot of fun, and you can play that. It's they're very easy to play and sort of get into, but you do sort of traditionally maybe look down upon them a little bit. Same、mm. with Minecraft as well,、mm. perhaps to some extent. And that's sort of that's kind of interesting. That like you sort of you've got to check your own pretentious game yeah, nature a little bit, don't you?、Definitely. Like because it's so easy to think, well, you should be playing the best games. Yeah, but the best games aren't necessarily the best、right. games to learn. Exactly, to like、play. you've got to play like the the early Mario games. You've got to you've got to try Final Fantasy. You've got to play、yeah. you know whatever like Mass Effect. And yeah, it's like, exactly. Yeah, and, and it's like only yeah only from like an elite. Point of view, rather than actually from a like, what is what is a good introduction? You know, again, thinking back to being kids, I guess you forget that like often you spent a lot of time playing games that were really rubbish, right? Like everyone has <laughs> yeah, those games、definitely. that like they just played hours of the same thing. It's like it wasn't any really, good. No, <laughs> like, <laughs> like you were playing some like lousy like or like something off a demo disc, right? That you just yes, played like the same yeah, thing yeah, over yeah. and over, and it's like, and that's you honed your skills. You know, playing something that no one would now be like, oh, you should definitely. If you're starting to play video games, you should definitely play like the first level of Spyro off a demo disc for like yeah, yeah. five hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a hundred percent accurate,、mm. and it, it is difficult. And I made all those mistakes, and in a way, I'm glad I did because it was a learning experience for me as much as as much as it was for her. But I'm also now grateful that I'm not going to make those same mistakes again in future、mm. because. I'm aware of the pitfalls now, and I can avoid them more effectively. And hopefully, from this episode, you can yeah, too. Yeah,、right? absolutely.、Um, like the the, the the takeaways are just try and I think the very the keyest thing, the most base thing, is it should be fun. Yeah. And if you're not having fun, you're not going to learn. If it's not engaging and it's not fun, doesn't matter how much intent you have, you're not going to retain that information and learn anything. Yeah, absolutely. So. Keep it fun, and even if it isn't like what you would consider a great game, you know, like like you said, we almost kind of look down upon something like Minecraft because it's like, oh yeah, that's just a kids' game now. That's just, of course, Minecraft, whatever, right? But it's so successful for a reason, yeah, you know,、exactly. and it's so got so many players for a reason. So 
utilize it yeah. you know use it as a tool in that in sort of experience in that uh, growing experience mm. of this culture yeah definitely makes sense nice this has been really interesting it's been you know i've i've heard little snippets of this of this journey over the last you know couple of years yeah um, yeah definitely. And it's, so it's nice to like distill it all down um and hopefully yeah hopefully this has been useful um if you're also trying to get someone into games or thinking about getting someone into games you know we've given you we've <laughs> seth has gone through the has done the hard work uh, and has got a little guide <laughs> which we've distilled down for you um but maybe you've got a recommendation of a game that that laura should play right yes. or yeah, a yeah, recommendation yeah. you know of a, of a or story about how you've introduced someone to to games uh, mm-hmm. and what worked and what didn't work uh if so we would love to hear we'd love to hear from you um so send us an email show at octal.fm uh, or you can come and have a chat with us on twitter or Facebook, mm. or Instagram. Just search Octal FM. It's basically Octal FM everywhere. Funnily enough, that's the name of the show. And also, if you found it very useful and you found our little discussion kind of insightful, both either from a more traditional gamer's perspective or maybe someone that isn't necessarily all into games and is just, like, interested in them and on the periphery, then do let us know and rate and review the show to let us know that we, we did a good job mm, in that sense. Or, or not, as the case may be, but still say five stars anyway yeah because um, <laughs> it, it does help and like we said many times if you do it you'll get some stickers oh, yeah. so yeah definitely definitely shoot us a review on whatever app you use absolutely please do uh but yeah in the meantime i've been gelada and i've been saffron and catch us again for another episode of Oxlafem very soon <laughs>